back to the Everybody's Soccer Podcast. This is your host, Bill Reno. Stan Anderson of FC United fame returns to talk about how goalkeeping in MLS has changed since 1996. As some of you may know, in 1992, FIFA introduced the back pass rule, which limited goalkeepers from being able to pick up a kicked pass from a teammate. Uh, so we end up diving into what are the differences between 1996 goalkeeping and today. So obviously today there's a big uh, emphasis on playing out of the back, but what did it look like in 1996 and how did teams attack then and what did teams require of their goalkeepers back then? Uh, we end up talking about the demands that are put on a goalkeeper in today's game and how did we end up here? Uh, finally, Stan and I compare and contrast the two eras and discuss how modern goalkeepers would fare in 1996 and how goalkeepers from 1996 would fare in today's game. Are we recording this or? Um, yeah, you know, we, we're, we're, yeah. I mean, we're, we're in, we're in. Yeah, I, um, well, I'll say this. I, I've been going back doing, I mean, this is just, this is kind of the, the goalkeeping nerd side of me, but I get fascinated looking back at old, really goalkeeping, but certainly MLS as well. I, um, I just, watching the game then, how it was played, I mean, I think it's very easy for people to look back at old soccer and say, Oh, well, they're doing this wrong, but you know, we have the, the cheat book of, Oh, this is how you're supposed to play of, you know, century plus year. You know, we just have so much time to look at. Um, but of going back, looking at old MLS, I, I just find it. So, I mean, I'm watching from a totally different perspective than anyone else is at that moment. So I, I find that really fascinating, but I was curious on your thoughts as someone who, um, you grew up around a pretty big uh, shift with the back pass with rule. Um, but I guess in just in general sense, I'm curious about how you grew up with goalkeeping and how, uh, what the demands of the game were put on you as a goalkeeper um, from that standpoint. We'll, we'll compare that to present day, but take us back to a young Stan. What were the high priorities for a young Stan in goal? Uh, what did he need to do to be successful? Or what was put on you to be successful? I, I tell you what, um, I'll, I'll keep the story short, but I went to my first practice with Mr. Moeller and I'm running around like crazy. I, I had broken a kid's leg in American football the previous season. So I was stepping away from football for a season. I was going to go back to football. So I went to soccer and uh, soccer was becoming big in Palatine with Palatine Celtic. And so I'm like, okay, you know, give it a run. And um, so I'm, I'm there and I'm, we're running, literally running around and, I look and the guy at the other end of the field, he's like standing there, not doing much. And I didn't know a lot about soccer yet. I was 12, you know, 12, 13 years old and somewhere right around there. And uh, now nowadays that's ancient, you know, you're yeah. a year away from signing in major league soccer. But yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I was like, you know, can I do what that guy's doing? Cause he's not running and I didn't want to run. <laughs> and uh, so he said, sure. Um, fast forward through some points that, you know, there were no there were no gloves or there probably were gloves but I didn't know of what they were yeah it was a combination of two things I made gloves with garden gloves and put tape around the fingers what kind of tape, what kind of tape like athletic tape okay okay you know so you got that paw and then you got the brown garden glove <laughs> and then I wrapped the yeah. the fingers in okay. the white in the white tape and you know just because that probably stuck better than a bare hand and it certainly stuck better than having nothing on those brown garden gloves so that just made it worse so but then you fast forward into the dimpled gloves yeah. which none of these right right are um and basically that was a garden glove that they just put that dimpled crap on <laughs> there that didn't do any good but people thought okay well that might be better yeah. Well, then those, you know, naturally one or two or three or four or 10 rubbed off. They didn't wear down. They just kind of fell off. Um, you know, certainly they didn't last in cold weather. They didn't last on, on duro, on, on, on heavy type ground or, or, you know, compact ground. So then you grew into um, the 041s. And, uh, you know, I can't, I can't move my, my screen, but what I, what I can do is this. And this is what I wore as a as a youngster were the O forty ones, and I don't know if you can. Yeah, I think you I can think, see. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've seen those a little bit. It's kind of, it's like a very flat kind of glove. It's not as as thick. Flat I guess. palm, flat palm. Um, they had a gray version as well, a, a more of the the gray back and everything. But that I think they're Ulsport O three O thirty fours and O forty ones, and you know those were the bomb. And you know you'd go home and you'd just sit with them and you just go. <laughs> <laughs> and just smell the latex and it would be like yes you know yeah. it's heaven and uh throw a ball off the wall or up and down whatever catching it blah 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 and you know over time um obviously glove manufacturing is then getting gotten into the finger saves and negative cuts and hybrid cuts and on and on and on but you know it was uh there was a period of time where you know we're talking now 35 let's say years ago that um you didn't you didn't have maybe 38 years ago i don't know you didn't have much in the in the glove department and then yeah. it it kind of took off from there so i don't know if there's anything coming next in gloves but that's what it was for me yeah yeah well i, I think you see a lot of like kind of one percent increases of this this thing is tweaked or you know you'll see the extended wrist or um i've seen some uh, the some of like the grip, like how they've gone about, uh, well, obviously you got the, you're talking about the negative cut. So, but I've seen some of the grip get changed where they have, um, what is that like that texture on like football, American football receiver gloves. That's like that really kind of glossy, whatever that is. I've seen that on gloves as well, but I think we've got about 99% of what we got with our finished product. You'll see these little tweaks here and there, but um, did no, you run it? The strapless. Yeah. Yeah, so these are Fred Emmings gloves, and um, you know, that there's no strap or anything. And I, I've never had a pair of these on, but yeah, you know, it seems like it's a popular, a popular glove. Um, yeah. So I would that would drive me nuts having a strap on it. I'm just so used to it. But the, I see a lot of kids with them; they really like them. So when I when I was with uh, Nike years and years and years and years ago, so this is mid '90s, mid to late '90s. I was living in Gurney and I got a box of Nike gloves from Nike. And uh, I think the guy's name was Stack. His last name was Stack. I'm not positive. And, um, but he sent me a, this, just this random box out of, out of nowhere. And I woke up and out on my front porch in Gurney was a, a box. And uh, it was sent to me by USPS or UPS. I don't know. And inside were about 20, 25 pairs of gloves. Yeah. And they were, they were um, prototypes. So you're talking about, you know, the, the extended palm really back then. And I kid you not, we're talking about a, a glove to here, normal, right? Yeah. This glove all the way to here, strapped here, just down here was latex palm. Yeah. Okay. Your jersey would go underneath. And you would strap over your jersey and obviously the glove and you would strap a normal glove. So basically just extended the palm all the way down towards your elbow. Wow. And, you know, they never made it. It was a, it was an orange or a yellow glove. It was just prototype. And there were a bunch of them. And I, I tell you what, if I had kept those gloves and just kept them around. Yeah. I'd be retired. <laughs> that would be uh, something you put in a museum. That's I, I love hearing about, um just things that didn't catch on i mean I, it's easy for us to be like oh that's you know that's silly that uh, you know why would he even want that but at the time i mean who's you know everyone's trying to think okay well how can we make this better how can we make this better and um that is that is fascinating i mean yeah that would be uh i feel like that would be cumbersome to put on but i'm, I'm curious how that would fit on or how that would feel on you um or even yeah. with the thought, it, the thought it, it moved it, it moved too much you know you you would you uh, make yeah. the save and you know this stayed on this angle because when you turn your hand it's normal so you turn your hand and it stayed here so it just didn't uh, it never yeah. like you, you felt you had to move it back and, yeah. and stuff um i wish i remember the guy's name because i think he's still in the illinois area but um and i think he's working with some club goalkeepers in the illinois area but i wish i could remember his uh his his full name for sure and be positive about it but anyway it was there was some uh there were some weird things and you know you could talk about the the web gloves have you ever seen those no is that what it sounds like it's i guess a true, true glove 
that I, I should have held on to as well. So here you are with your gloves on and here all yeah. the way down was material. Wow. So basically that little thumb area, you know, that, that is non-latex, it like helps your thumb move in the, yeah. in this, the window. They took that material and they moved up here. Yeah. And here and here and down here. So you could still, you know, have that feel on a ball, but there was, this was covered. And wow. so was that. And so was that. And so was that. And it was like a, it was like a, a, a spider or a, a, a monkey's <laughs> palm type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. That is a, uh, yeah. I love that. I love that too. That's great. Um, well, fa yeah. fast forward a little bit for me, talk about when you got to college. So yeah, hopefully you've got like a decent glove at this point. Um, but when you get to college, <laughs> how, how are, um, I mean, I guess you can answer uh, your for, forwards or backwards here. You can think of like, how are teams attacking uh, or what questions were you having to answer as a goalkeeper? You know, what, what were your responsibilities? Um, because I want to compare this to kind of where we're at with the modern game. Um, but I'm curious of just kind of like, I guess I would have been, was that mid, late eighties? Yeah, it was, uh, it was mid to late eighties. Exactly. Yeah. 85 through 90. Uh, okay. was my window of time playing it. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, so what, what were, yeah. What were your responsibilities as a goalkeeper? What were kind of your top, you know, things that you're supposed to cover? Well, credit to Gerardo Pignani who turned me on to Parkside and then Rick Kilps who brought me into Parkside. Um, I enjoyed my time at Parkside uh, immensely. Um, Andrew Gavin's the AD there now. That guy's kick-ass. But um, the 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 reality was is that you know I was a part of a coach's first recruiting class. So you know he didn't he was there the previous year, but he had no time to recruit. And then I was part of his first class. So I was I guess you know in today's terms a late commit, more athletic than I was a goalkeeper yet. So going in, I didn't have the feet necessarily to play as they play today. What was asked of me and the questions that were asked of me were, you know, back passes that I could pick up all day. You know, I, I could make a save, roll it out to you. You could pass it back to me, I pick it up. You know, if I didn't like where you were or if a striker was closer to you, I'd roll it over to the other center back or <laughs> outside back. And if he, did, he got pressed, I'd pick it up. They just play it back to me. Um, and that was just the reality. Now, not many, in, you know, until you got into the late nineties, uh, late night, or sorry, early nineties to, to, you know, right in that window you, where you couldn't do that anymore and you couldn't kill the game. There's a, there's a game that people refer to as kind of the game. I think it might've been Schmeichel. It might've been Khan. I don't remember who it was that, you know, kind of stamped that out and was the, the, the impetus for the new rule. But um, the reality was that I was asked to drop kick. I didn't have a drop kick going in, but the where where we played and kind of the wind it, it, conditions that we had in a pretty open environment, I was asked to drop kick. And ultimately, I I didn't have crap for a drop kick, but by my sophomore year, I had a very very good one. And by my senior year, I was getting assists with my drop kick. So I'd get it up and down pretty quick and I'd ping it pretty far, but you know, more appropriately, pretty accurate. And uh, we had some people who could run on and finish. Um, yeah. And, you know, the back pass wasn't, uh, wasn't there for us. And it was just a, it was probably a more physical GK life than it was a tactical savvy GK life. Um, it was probably more of an individual gk life than it was feeling part of the team mm. gk life yeah you know um so that's uh that's where it was on the on the on the front end you know and then basically looking at where it is now is that what you is that what you well, well let, let's hold off because i want i want to build there but i i think you know we'll fast forward a little bit to MLS 1996 but one thing I've kind of noticed with watching those early MLS games and I think this kind of hits on what you're talking about so now that we've gotten to the point 1992 is the back pass rule so they've they've made it where you can't pick the ball up from your own teammate off a pass from the foot yeah. um, but I one thing I noticed is how much space there is in the midfield so you see these defenses 
really dropping off. And you're talking about from a goalkeeper's perspective, you're kind of more in an individual spot. And I think they're starting to kind of integrate the goalkeeper in 1996 a little bit more, but even the team as a whole team defending is, it's still pretty loose. There's a lot of one V one defending the midfield is so spacious and yep. you have almost these formations that are four, two fours, you know, you've got guys looking to run on for through balls. Um, you've got defenses that are dropping back. Um, you don't really see a ton of uh, goalkeepers coming out of the box. There is a little bit, but um, I don't, I think, you know, not to any real degree. Um, the passing requirements, the goalkeepers, I mean, you've got, you know, you've got compost who can hit a ball. Sure. But um, you know, most of them are looking to go long more times than not. So you've got this very spacious game that it's kind of the spin, but don't break, you know, defenses are conceding ground. They don't, they don't really uh, press in the attacking half. They, they'll get, they'll give up that half. They'll drop in. Um, and so what I, I feel like I saw, see a lot of is a lot of long balls, a lot of crosses in uh, you're yeah. talking about this cool game you see a lot of these looping crosses that um, goalkeepers need to come out and control the box when you, you know, and I think that's in a big contrast to, to today's game. Um, yeah. But the, the distribution, it starts, you know, starts to get in there a little bit more in 96, those early years, but um, yeah, it's so physical. And I, I guess one more thing that just always astounded me was, and I'd be curious on if this is something you were taught, but it feels like a lot of goalkeepers are just um, rushing down the line they're using aggression to solve so, so or they're using aggression to solve problems, whether it's a breakaway or maybe a scramble in the box or a cross. I mean, they're, they're barreling down the line. They're going up the strikers. Um, when the chase can be seal more passiveness, but, um, yeah, I was curious on, you know, and this is kind of late eighties. So it's still before, but how are you coached or instructed or how did you see, other goalkeepers as far as aggression? Because that seems to be a high premium for goalkeepers in late 80s, early 90s. Um, you just don't see a ton of goalkeepers yeah. sitting back a ton. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it's interesting. I um, I had a guy in, in college in my senior year, uh, you know, talking about from an, an aggression standpoint, a striker lose 16th in my head. Um, and it was nothing to do, do, do to me. I was at the top of the box. I had gathered the ball. I couldn't go anywhere. I was at the front corner of the box. And uh, so here I am in possession and I see him coming and I'm like, you know, what do I do? So I either go, you know, he was going to hit me. I either go out of the box front or side and I'm called for a potentially for a handball outside the box. So I just leaned to hold my ground there. And he just kept running. It was almost like he didn't see me. And, and boom, right in this area of my head, I probably still have scars there. He lost six teeth. And, um, you know, so from a physical standpoint, it, it, it was, it was different, man. You know, yeah. it was, it was a, that wasn't commonplace. Sure. But, and I don't have the greatest memory of a lot of things, but I remember that. And, um, <laughs> it was just a, it was a, a different time and place. Uh, Cross management, you know, that was that, you know, the guy from um, Tigris last night yeah. managed his box and extended his range quite well. You know, yeah. I mean, there were, there were a lot that he came and claimed last night and he was not some six, seven guy, you know, he looked like he was about six, two, six, three. Yeah. Uh, but he did a great job in that regard. But for, for me in my window of time, I stayed home more. Um, I don't think many people, we're out claiming serves because you know nothing's changed. The 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 what the width of the field is still there and the serve is still there and people are whipping it in or lofting it in wherever the player is that they can find. For me, I stayed home and, and worked off of my reactions because that was my strength versus going out and claiming. But there wasn't there, you know, there were tall goalkeepers that I that I knew and that I've coached. Um and they generally stayed home but nowadays i think that's that's shifting a bit but what you know from a shot stopping perspective in in the in the the 80s early 90s you know you, somebody would break through and you were out there ready to you know still be moving and and go through with a full you know barrier type exit 
and slide through and take that take that challenge head on. Yeah. Um, just before, just as, just after, as Dr. Moshnik always used to say, that was the challenge. Nowadays, it's the K save and you know all this spread stuff. Yeah. So I would say it was a uh, it was a, a more a more physical time. You know, from the from the distribution, it was it was punting. There was not punting or yeah. drop kicking. There wasn't there wasn't the you know roll it out and take another ten and another ten and another yeah, ten yeah, yeah. and then ping it into a zone off your boot because goalkeepers didn't really have that skill set or they weren't entrusted to have that skill set. Mark Litton had it. It was ahead of his time, um, and he could ping a ball anywhere. And I don't know if he necessarily even did that in the college time, but he could he could do that without a doubt. He could be the 11th player. But that was not the case. That was not what was asked of us back in the late 80s and early 90s to be the 11th player. It was to be the badass and goal and make sure you were durable and keep the ball out of the back of the net. Yeah, yeah. I understand. But when you think also, like, maybe if you, you know, I think you see this a little bit with some teams where you've got a goalkeeper who can really ping a ball he's only as good as the team is set up around him. So even if you have, you know, someone who can drop a ball on a dime 40, 50 yards away, you know, if your team either isn't aware of it or they're not technically able to really bring that ball in, it's pretty useless in a lot of ways. Um, So I, you know, I think something about maybe they weren't entrusted is maybe part of it. Um, But also I, I think, you know, you think of a goalkeeper who got into MLS in 1996, who was, let's say 22, he just started at 18, they switched the back pass rule on him. So for 18 years, he didn't really, I mean, you have to take your goal kick. Sure. But he didn't have to receive a ball, take a touch and, you know, spray it out to anyone. He could just pick it up, but you know, he's only (laughs) his whole college tenure at that point for that 22 year old. um, He's having to basically relearn the game more or less. So big time. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Big time. And and it's not, it's not easy for goalkeepers because, you know, soccer, we know this, you and I and people listening will be soccer people as well, but, you know, it's more of an art than it is baseball, basketball, and football, you know, hitting a ball in baseball, that's an art, but throwing a baseball really isn't catching really isn't um, maybe scooping at first bases uh, <laughs> sure. or blocking a pitch as a catcher, but tackling is not, you know, it's refined more nowadays because of CTE, but, you know, with your, with, with, with bat, with uh, soccer and the, the ability on the ball with your boot in particular, that's an art. And, um, you know, players, outfield players, your sixes and your eights and your tens and your nines, and certainly your wingers and sevens, elevens, whatever, but they, they've spent a career ball boot, every slight touch has a purpose and has a role. And for us as a goalkeeper, we've done that with our, with our hands steering and catching and, patting down and you know touching over the bar and everything had a purpose now all of a sudden you want me to do that with my feet also and um you know for those guys in that window of time i credit any of them that were able to to uh you know thrive and flourish because really you know there was a window of time and i don't care the level it was how far can you kick the ball yeah you know get and you know what what's underestimated i think or not talked about much is you know at least nowadays but then back then as well for me for a drop kick i wanted to put it straight and i wanted to drop it somewhere for nowadays when you roll it out and you ping it it's not a ball that should be that should go like this it's a ball that should go like this straight yeah and that's easy for the nine, the seven, the 11 to bring down and gauge and judge. They can build a house around that ball yeah. and they can bring that ball down or flick it up. If they have to look and, and go, Oh, here, here, that's too difficult. And, um, and so the goalkeeper that can ping a straight ball off the deck in possession, roll it out, gain an extra 10, 15 yards outside the box. Boom. Bushy was great at it. You know, mm-hmm. Bushy could, use that left peg of his and ping a nice quality ball played into space for somebody and start the attack from the back. Now he's a, he's a young kid. So. Yeah. Still, still a young kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's fast forward 25 years. Um, 
and we can we can bring up some some goalkeepers from this season because there I feel like for me that uh, uh, there weren't a ton of standouts this year right? and some of that were, were handcuffed by what the season we can actually have I understand that but um, I do think we've seen a pretty big shift over these 25 seasons in the MLS um, and just in the world in general as far as what's actually being asked of a goalkeeper so um, I uh, obviously we, we've hit on the distribution part that's a big part of it um, but I feel like they're starting to get these more nuances as far as what the role is. I, you know, we, I don't think you see as much of a physical goalkeeper. I don't think you're, in my personal opinion, but I guess I'd be you know, curious on what you have, but I, I don't think you see those collisions as much. You you mentioned the case. I, I don't think you see, um, you know, that, that big sprawling goalkeeper, you know, diving head first for a ball as much. Um, and I think a lot of that comes down to there's this big emphasis on decision making as far as when to be passive and when to be aggressive um and i think you know a lot of that comes into of one the technical ability of the league you know you're not seeing players regularly take a, a you know the first touch isn't bouncing around they it's all very clean um i would say even something as small as the fields are better <laughs> you know like I, I feel like you look at some of those early mls games some of the fields are playing on like the ball's not gonna roll smoothly you know um no but you're getting into situations where it's extremely nuanced, uh, both on breakaways, but um, how service is coming in on crosses or um, how a shot from the 18 looks like, or, you know, if they're pinging one, two balls and then taking a shot from 12 yards out, uh, it's all extremely quick. It's all extremely efficient. Uh, and you've got to make this split decision on, Hey, am I going to go take space here or am I going to be patient? Um, am I going to go sprint down the line? Do I need to take one step forward, two steps forward? Um, you know, it's a lot of this kind of improv. Hey, how do I need to position myself? How do I need to react? Um, you can't be too passive, but you can't be too aggressive because you're going to get busted for it. And someone's going to, you know, they'll dink, they'll dink you, they'll, they'll work around you, they'll draw a penalty. Um, you know, the, the strikers are getting extremely savvy. And so the yeah. questions they're asking the goalkeeper are much more nuanced. They're asking those details. Uh, Ross finished last night. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah. What, what how would you say, you know, as someone who grew up at, at a very, you know, kind of you're in the kind of the twilight of a, a soccer era there with the back pass rule coming up. Um, how has, you know, the game changed in your eyes as far as those early MLS days versus where the game is now? Uh, yeah. What goalkeepers are successful now? What What is the big difference there for you? Well, you know, I, I don't think you have much of a chance today to, and, and there's still some in the game, but you don't have much of a chance of, of being a number one, certainly, um, or maybe of cracking in, uh, being a number two with a chance, if you don't have the feet to, to support your play. Um, if they're not there, you're, you're probably not getting a shot. and. Years ago, you know, that wasn't asked of the goalkeeper. Those those questions just weren't there. So it didn't matter. You know, if you could strike a heavy goal kick, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's what was asked. You know, the goal kick was sent. It wasn't sprayed. Yeah. So nowadays, you have to be that 11th player. You might not have a ridiculously high line. I don't think Stefan Fry plays ridiculously high. Mm. But – he's able to get the ball in and out of his feet quick enough. And so somebody who is spending time with you as a youngster that, you know, you should be thankful that that person's spending a ton of time with you with the ball at your boot, because they're preparing you for hopefully an opportunity to play at the next level, whether that be collegially or otherwise, because still in college, there's, there's enough of that big old goal kick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if we're talking about, you know, early MLS to now MLS, today's goalkeepers, they just have to be proficient with the ball at their boot. And, you know, you can then get into discussions about how much crap that is because, you know, there's too many MLS franchise, too many franchises, um, probably USL as well, that are mandating play out of the back. And are we in a window of time where we're going to get through it ultimately? I don't know that we, we spend too much time on that. And that too much time leads to mistakes and ultimately goals. Any team that, that can win the ball by pressing you in their attacking third 
your defensive third and can win it and finish, great. I don't have to build from the defensive third into the middle of the park, into the attacking third, cross-finish goal. If I can do it just by robbing you, fantastic. Yeah. And there's too many teams that have that emphasis and they get robbed and they get the goal against them. And, you know, who gets who gets the blame? The manager that you never hear about, that that's all they wanted to do all week? Yeah. Uh, the goalkeeper coach who chose the wrong goalkeeper? Uh, the goalkeeper who played the bad ball or did he play a bad ball? Uh, or she? Um, and, you know, you can go on and on and on. But ultimately, when that goal happens, the camera that's above the the, the, the middle um, corporate box on top of Toyota Park is going to zoom in on the goalkeeper. They're not going to zoom in on the manager. They're not going to zoom in on the on the three or the four or the two or whatever in the back. They're going to zoom in on the goalkeeper. And, you know, ultimately that's who the goal goes against as well. So, you know, today you just have to be good. And there are some young goalkeepers, some on this wall, that aren't the best with their feet that are still playing today. Um, and they're working on it, working on it, working on it. But, you know, that's uh, – for some people that's a differentiator from – being a number one to being a number three to being in the USL to, to getting games to not playing. Uh, the most significant differentiator is your feet. And that's, that's more of what the game is asking today than when MLS started and Tony Miola was playing and Casey was overseas and Friedel, I think was playing then went overseas. And, you know, you could go on with many of the other guys that were in the league at that time as well. Um, they didn't have that, you know, playing back to the goalkeeper and then taking a touch and playing it out wide or taking a touch forward and finding finding your eight or, heaven forbid, breaking a seam in the middle of the park, breaking a line and having somebody turn. And it was, they just it, – it wasn't as prevalent. It was there, but it wasn't as prevalent. Well, I, and I think you're absolutely right, but I'll add one thing that I, I do think gets overlooked a little bit. And – people will talk about the confidence a goalkeeper gives a team. And typically that's centered around, you know, maybe cross management or shot stopping. But I think there was something to be said about, you know, if your defender's in trouble is, does he know he can play you maybe not the best ball? He's got someone on his back and he's not going to be able to play you a smooth ball. So if he plays you a skipping ball, are you the goalkeeper going to be able to handle it, take a touch and be able to play? Or if you put more stress on your yeah. defenders by thinking, oh, hey, I can't go, I can't play my goalkeeper right now. What am I going to do? And now you've, you've kind of intensified the problem. So I, I do think there's something there about um, this kind of intangibleness of giving calmness of, hey, like I'm an option here back here. And, you know, what's under, what's underrated, you know, that's, that's hugely important what you just mentioned there. What's underrated is, is playing the goalkeeper who has, a little bit of time and space more so than the trouble that you're in. And how did you get in trouble? Did the goalkeeper put you in trouble or did somebody else put you in trouble? Who knows? But when the goalkeeper has a little bit of time and space for you to drop the ball home and you drop it home and they just play it off the park, it's certainly better than many alternatives. Zach Steffen got caught how many times in the last two years, probably playing for the national team more so Uh, a little bit of Columbus, I would say as well, but um caught in trouble where a ball was robbed and ends up in the back of the net. And if your manager has massive trust in you, you can survive those moments. Yeah. But there are many managers who don't have that trust and you don't get to survive those moments. So putting it off the park and playing it safe and just living with a throw in for me is, is an answer that is okay. Because I think that that opportunity that you just played off the park, that moment to leading to a goal is a less percentage moment than me trying to find somebody and doing it under pressure and getting robbed and them coming at you in possession where no one has time to reconcile the moment. And now we're defending under pressure. So, yeah. 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 What, what was that one play with uh, Evan Loro down in Tampa Bay? What, I'm trying to remember what happened because I saw y'all tweet back and forth. I mean, this is months ago, but there was like a, a ball near the sideline. Yeah. But, but yeah. he, what did he, it was something kind of savvy about it. I can't it remember what exactly uh, he did. No ball boy or there was. Um, but there was a ball boy. There was a ball boy, but at the, a new ball had to be put into play or, or something along those lines that he played it off the, he played it off the, 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 the 
kickboards or sideline yeah. signage as opposed to playing it hugely off the park. Yeah, yeah. Because he, he said that what because like the ball came back on the field, didn't it? Was that what happened? Yeah. He and he was yeah. trying to stop for time because he had ran it so far out of the box. But he knew if he yeah, that's what it was if he cleared it out too far, then they would just get a new ball and then he would be in trouble. So exactly. I uh you I know, got like, called on it. I was wrong. Yeah. He he yeah. was right. Yeah. I mean it was I you know I what you said like oh yeah that it makes sense. Like yeah you'd want to clear it out. But when he said that I was like oh he knew what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. um you know, I, I, I love reading about that. But, Lost to me. Killed me, man. I, killed yeah, me. yeah, yeah. It just it's just keeping you humble over there, you know. Just yeah, exactly. keeping it in check. Um, every day. Yeah. Well, I, I do think you, you break up an interesting point there about the um the confidence that a manager has with you, because in some of them you're gonna get with and you look at Berhalter with Columbus when he was there, he's he's openly saying hey we're going to make some, more or less he's openly saying we're going to make mistakes in the back and i'm giving the goalkeeper stefan a long leash in that sense you know we're, we're it's it's the greater goal that they're trying to achieve there which you know you can say you like it or you don't like it but you know he's given him that that leash there um but it does feel like there are some goalkeepers who get caught in the spot of hey we want to build it out of the back but don't ever mess up and if you mess up it's your fault and it's like well you know it's if it was that easy <laughs> you know we wouldn't we wouldn't be caught in this position so exactly it's not it's not terribly easy you know there's a target on the field and that's the goal and everybody wants to everybody wants that prize and you know we're we are the ones that run into the house to save somebody you know when everything's broken down we're the ones putting our body on the line and putting you know everything on the line and going you know preparing for a shot that's going to break our nose or who knows, dislocate, whatever. And, you know, we're the one that is supposed to end the play. Well, everybody wants what's behind us. And so when they, when they, they attack, that's, that's their, their goal. And our room for error is nothing. You know, the other end of the field, you kick it out of bounds, kick it over the park, put it wherever 90 rows up into the stadium, no one really worries. But when you're down at the other end and everybody's trying to put it into the, the goal behind you, eight yards by eight feet, you have very little room for error. And so, you know, continuing the play, that's the best case scenario. But, you know, there are times when, when you're just looking to blow the play up and you go, okay, fine, let's, yeah, let's reconvene and we'll deal with the throwing. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, let me ask you this. Um, who, who would you name? Like, give me like one, one, two or three, who are your top goalkeepers in MLS today? Like, and this is going somewhere. So I'll build off of this, but who, who are your standouts? Had, right now? Season? Yeah, yeah. Just, good seasons this season. Uh, yeah, good seasons this season. Are, are and then and our top goalkeepers in the league. Well, there's there's a few that come to mind. Uh, I wrote down a couple, but um, I think that uh, that Dane St. Clair made a made a name for himself um, this season. You know, and 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 in critical moments, you know, made made some saves and did some things in critical moments that you went. Okay, I mean that's going to be a, a a a tough decision they have in Minnesota as it relates to him and Tyler and you know Fred. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of challenges there. I thought Galise uh, did well in uh, in Orlando. I thought he had him, himself a good campaign. Um, you know, certainly a, an improvement for Orlando, but I think he stabilized things that weren't stable before. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I'm always a fan of Steve Clark. Uh, you know, I, I think as a guy who came back and held on to that role again in, in Portland, and um, I think he had himself a, a good season. You know, he, I don't think I, I can't, I can't, I will, <laughs> I can't gauge a guy by a bad goal against here or there, and I, I can't look and go, okay, did Steve do that? Um, did did Pedro do that? Did yeah. did Dane Sinclair do that? I. I don't know if they, uh, if they did that, you know, the other ones I wrote down, you know, just because he won the tournament, but he didn't play a ton towards the end was Eloy room at mm. a, a, a quality end to the season, but he wasn't Tarbell was the one who got him there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and look how fleeting it is because Tarbell's now gone from there. Yeah. You know? uh, did, did you but, see it? Did you see rooms uh, save of the year? No. Oh, it is. Usually, say the year is pretty underwhelming for me. To be honest, this is one. I'm just on a complete side note. 
the shot is going low to his left and it gets deflected back across to his right. So he's already going down to his left. The ball's coming right, or coming to his right side of his body and he sticks out his right leg and I think his shin gets it, pops up over. I mean, it was, it's something that, I don't, you, you know, you see some of those like training videos of like deflections and stuff. I guess in some sense you could train for it. I was going to say you can never train for it, but you could kind of train for it. But it's just something that doesn't really happen that often. Um, it certainly isn't something anyone expects you to save. Uh, it was, it was a really, I like that. When I saw that happen. Is this it? Is this it here? Uh, I, again, I'm not good enough to, to share it on the, on the screen. Because right, right. uh, I'm it up here, but. You're going to turn this uh, podcast into a sponsored podcast without an advertisement. Yeah, I'm taking it away. <laughs> yeah. All state. Yeah. Um, but I think. Yeah, this is probably going to be it coming up. Oof. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Okay. That's cool. I, anytime anyone can improv especially in a situation where it's not supposed to happen you know quote unquote not supposed to happen um i think that's cool so i i, I mean it was a hell of a save i loved it um seen it let me uh let me take a look here yeah oh yeah oof. oh yeah. yeah that's cool and that, i mean that's the one that i mean oh and then it, it stayed in play yeah i didn't know it stayed in play he laid down i thought the ball went away yeah quality yeah, yeah. No, was a, quality. A, I just saw that first. Yeah. Um, okay, so so take those take those top MLS goalkeepers, and you you have to take kind of more than one for this to, to really work out this this idea I'm trying to bring up. But take those top MLS goalkeepers in 2020, and then somehow magically take them back to 1996. Are they as su successful? Uh, do they plug in right away? Are they a significant improvement? Um, you know, obviously this is kind of a weird time machine theory, but do they struggle in certain areas? I mean, how, how do they, you know, is this like a one for one translation or do they get put in a totally different game that, um, they actually might have more, they might struggle more than they actually might succeed. You know, um, St. Clair is not a, a monster, you know, physically he's, He's plenty, plenty big enough and well equipped enough. I'm not taking a shot at Dane St. Sure. Clair, but he he's not um, what was more prototypical, perhaps of six five, whatever you know, bigger, stronger. Uh, and I would say that Galise is not that either. And I would say that that Steve is not a a, a six five monster. Yeah. You know, I think those were more in vogue than they are today. So physically, there's certainly a difference. Yeah. Um, but could those guys play back then? Without a doubt, they could. In fact, I think they're enhanced. Uh, their their ability is enhanced because of their ability with the ball at their boot. That they can uh, play today, and they would have been able to play back then. Might they have not been selected? Yeah, there's a quite quite a possibility because if somebody was just by virtue of being that six four six five dude, they might have been selected more so. You know, um, Aiden Brown was a big guy. Yeah, Aiden yeah. Brown was a was a, a monster on the field, and yeah. Aiden Brown was selected. You know, um, are these guys better with their ball at their boot than Aiden? Probably. But Aiden was probably selected, you know, in comparison if we time warped it, because he's a he's a, a man child back then. Um, so, you know, might somebody have overlooked him? Sure, but I think you know, for for me, how I view a goalkeeper, I would have not looked past those guys at all. I really wouldn't have. Yeah. You know? um, and is the trend moving? I don't know. You know Fred, that we talked about, Fred's six four, six five. Seems like he was eleven years old when he was six four. Um, you know, and he's, he's somebody that's already at a, as a 16 year old making money in major league soccer and, uh, and he's good with his feet as well, you yeah. know? So, but Dane St. Clair is the number one there. Yeah. Is five years, Fred, the number one, I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I do think in those early days, you do have some examples of undersized goalkeepers, but they're not many. I think you've got, I mean, compost is probably the, the big one. You know, I use under six for sure. Bushy. Um, but well, yeah, Bush, yeah. You got Tom Liner, who started with San Jose. He wasn't, he was a big, but I do think there was, I mean, you talk about, the, I think the Invo comment you, you make. Yeah, 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 very true. But you, the Invo comment you make, I think it's very true of how managers were looking for a goalkeeper that, one, if they could get the size, they got the size. But if, if they didn't have the size, I do think there was, um, this kind of dominating expectation yeah. that they had of their goalkeepers. I mean, they had to kind of go out and control the game. You brought up the, uh, the CONCACAF final last night. Uh, Guzman, I thought was, is he almost kind of felt like a relic of that. Yeah, I, I love watching him play, but it, it was, it was so front footed in a way that you just don't quite see today. He was a uh, boss, man. He was, oh, a yeah. boss. it was cool. And he, I mean, it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I you just I don't feel like you see that many goalkeepers that are so front-footed like that. Uh, I mean, he's coming out on, on a lot of different just crosses, situations where he stepped up. Um, so I, I do think in some sense they probably would get, just personally, I think feel like they would get overlooked a little bit, um, these modern goalkeepers yeah. if we were managed to take them back. But I also wonder if, you know, let's do the reverse. Let's let's take the Mark Dodds. Let's take the Tony Miolas. Um, Kevin Hartman's pretty early. I think he's a few, he doesn't get until 80, 98, 99, uh, somewhere in there. But let's take those goalkeepers and now fast forward them to today. Like how would those goalkeepers, do you think, how would they fare in today's game? Um, knowing kind of where they're coming well, from. Well, I, lo I love both those guys. <laughs> I love both those guys. So I'm going to say that they kick ass in today's game. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but, you know, the manager making a decision is different today yeah. than the manager back then. You know, I love Pono, Velko Ponovic. I think he's a great manager. And, you know, it didn't go well in Chicago. Um, but he wanted a goalkeeper that was going to be able to play out of the back. So, you know, is that going to be Tony or Kevin? Uh, if we time warp versus a room, a, a Galise, uh, no, uh, Dane, um, Steve, I think is good with his feet. You know, I, I don't know if those guys are selected then, you know, but they're kick-ass. Those guys are kick-ass goalkeepers. And you can say that a goalkeeper is a goalkeeper is a goalkeeper and keep the ball out of the back of the net and, you know, you go on and, and have that conversation. But the reality is, is it doesn't matter if how great you are if the manager thinks what he thinks and wants what he wants. You know, Pono wanted a goalkeeper that was going to play with his feet. That was the, that was the mandate. Yeah. So, okay, that's what they had to have. So that meant if you were somebody that weren't as good, but maybe you had other better qualities, but you weren't as good with your feet, so you might not see the field. And that's where what what people – I'll make this blanket statement, and you can call me an idiot, but it's a huge trust position. And if the manager doesn't trust – that you're the guy, your interactions are so, so limited that you don't have a ton of opportunity to fail. It's yeah. drama when you do, but it's not like you're on the ball like the 10 and the eight all day. So it might take six, seven, eight games for there to be a change in goal. And if the, goal, if the manager trusts you, it might be all season. You know, uh, you, might not, you might not spend a moment on the bench. Um, and, and, and you can, you can survive if there's, if there's trust in you now, Daniel Vega, that's a different story, you know, um, and I have no problem calling him out and I have no problem calling Almeida out because when they made the change, it wasn't just the new change in, in goalkeeper, uh, position, but the reality was, is they were giving up goals like Halloween candy at that, that time. And, uh, anybody could score on them. And, you know, if they played their Academy 17s, I don't know what would have happened you know, yeah. with, with him in goal. Um, you know, it just it, it is what it is. But but guess what happened is Almeida trusted Daniel Vega in goal. And that's so the team had to live with that five goals against. OK, Daniel's playing next game. All right. Six goals against. All right. Yeah. It, you know what? Guys were good, but Daniel's playing seven goals against. Yeah. It was like, OK, you know, 
was what it was. Now you you get to guys that I think have, you know, a, a stronger element to their game in Miola and Hartman. They would have made a way to survive. You know that that was just the fabric of their being is they would have found a way to get themselves into a first eleven modern day. Yeah, you know, over over a, a Dana Gleeseruma, uh, maybe a Steve. You know, um, but I, I think Steve is so underrated that. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna throw a lot of love that guy's way because I trust him. Yeah, you know I just trust that he's gonna he's gonna be the guy. You know. Yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. Though. No, I I think you're hitting on a big part of it. I mean, I I do get a little frustrated with managers that oversimplify the position because I I I don't think it takes an expert to really look at it and say, hey, you know what, goalkeepers are being asked to do a million different things. So, you know yeah is this one goalkeeper good with his feet sure but you know and I don't I don't know if this is like a saying or something it's something I've heard a few times in my life but maybe it was just something that was said in my hometown I don't know (laughs) but it was something along the lines of um, talking about uh, military generals and they were saying how good generals fight the previous war but the great ones fight the current war and the the point was are you really assessing what the dangers are. Are you really assessing like how to win? Um, or are you just kind of looking back and saying, well, we, you know, we were successful here. Let's do it again. Um, obviously you want to learn a little bit from history. I understand that, but yeah. I, I don't think enough managers really think of, Hey, what does our team actually need? Actually need I, the trust component is, is massive. And I do think that is something that should be heavily valued, but you know, if you're, you know, like over the, over the course of the season, you're going to save a goal's worth or, or create a goal's worth from your goalkeeper's passing. Like that's, that's the ceiling there. You're not really going to get more than a goal. Um, but you can certainly save more than one goal <laughs> over the season through an, a number of different aspects. So I, I think that trust component is, is a little over, I, I don't want to say it's overrated, but I, I don't feel like it, it covers enough areas. Like, yes, someone's good with their feet and that's great, but what do they do in the other 100 aspects of goalkeeping? Um, you know, Vega is a good one that you bring up and I'm sure he's a really nice guy. You know, I, I have nothing against the guy, but you know, you got to look at some point, is he keeping the ball in it? No, you know, and then you look at Marcin Kelsey who goes in and does, you know, in my opinion, notably better. Um, he's a great guy. I really am. You know, and it doesn't matter to, it doesn't matter to me. Taylor Twelman talks about players all the, all the time. I have no problem talking about Daniel Vega in this sense. It was historic levels of goals against yeah. historic levels. And he was still the guy. So my problem with it is, is that, you know, he trusted Daniel Vega. Fine. No problem. That, you know, that's your call, dude, you're the manager, but don't, don't just think that it's going to be so easy to go. All right, Marcinkowski, off you go. Yeah. Let's, let's see what you can do when you, you mentally in persona, let's go. You, you mentally sit there and die on the vine when you think, I must be really, really bad, man. Yeah. I can't get a game when this guy's giving up historic levels of goals against and they look ugly. Yeah. You know, it's not like I'm getting beat in the upper 90 and I'm getting beat in the upper 90. And part of it is, you know, it's your own deal, dude. Is that, is that, uh, meaning Almeida, that you're, you're playing such a, a, a weird brand of football that, you know, you're putting the goalkeeper in a tough spot. Yeah. Where space, Jordan Morris, could have drove a truck through the, the, the goal that Jordan Moore scored against them where he was untouched for like nine football fields. So it, it just, you know, you, you then wonder, okay, what does the JT feel? What does Matt feel when all of a sudden they're going to get the call? Is there all of a sudden this pressure? Like if they concede a goal that they're going to get pulled. Yeah. In fact, I think they went with JT for a game and it was a fair result. Like they either won, they lost, they lost close or they drew. It yeah. wasn't this five nil loss and they went back to Vega yeah. and you just got to go. What the, yeah, is this? you know? And so that that's where, that's where it is. That trust aspect. If Almeida feels like things aren't going right for his six or his eight or his 10, you know, he's going to be quicker in the 70th minute to just go, all right, let's make a change. Sure. He's not going to do that with the goalkeeper. And then if you keep going to him with, with uh, you know, double-digit goals against over a three-span game yeah. period, 
you know, it just, it, it's the mental, it's the mental part for a goalkeeper that goes on between the ears that, yeah. that ends up being a struggle. Well, and, and something that I heard Kevin Hartman talk about, and I, I think this is impossible to really quantify and put a value on, but I think it's a really good point is that he talked about those early days. There was only 20 spots, give or take, um, in the league for, for all the goalkeepers. I mean, we have 26 teams now. Um, there's just 20, 20 spots. And so it made it, you almost, you almost had this kind of promotion relegation aspect where it was, Hey, if you don't perform, like you're out, you know, like it, it's not easy to stay in the league. It's extremely competitive, but we've now traded that for uh, more or less more game time, both in like MLS, but also USL, like there's more game time available, but I do think you've lost a little bit of that competitive drive now obviously that's not just isolated to the goalkeepers themselves. The, the managers have a big say in that, but I, I do, I do wonder, and again, I don't know how you quantify this, but I do wonder how much we've kind of sacrificed with that competitiveness. And, and maybe it's a net positive, you know, maybe so. I'm not really sure quite what I think about it, but I, you know, if I, if we pull those guys out of 1996 and we put them into today's game, I do think there's some inefficiencies and obviously they, there's, it's, it doesn't work because there's 25 years of soccer they've missed. But I think the thing that they have going for them that keeps them afloat is that they're highly competitive. I mean, yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, like they, said right there. Yeah. I mean, they, they're not going to let anyone take the spot from them. And if they are like, you know, they like they're going to get it back. But there's there's just no as I, I think the drive they have is just something that puts them into, you know, a very, very top category. Um, because it was necessary. I mean, you, you had to do it, um, you know, where like, in some sense, I, I wonder how much they got to that point from just an individual standpoint. I'm sure some, all of those goalkeepers would probably credit someone that was like, oh, this coach was good. But I feel like there's much more oversight now for a modern goalkeeper than there was then. So you're coming up in 1996, like, you've got to figure it out yourself. Like you've got to find those problems. You might have some help along the way, but you know, like you, you've, you've, it's your game. It's your, it's your job. You know, there's just so much ownership there. Um, I think that's like probably the one thing that would keep them really afloat in today's game. Yeah. Yeah. Without a, without a doubt, just for posterity, Trump vetoed the the bill today for economic support or whatever. <laughs> so just in 20 years, I'm saying that because, I'm not a Trump fan or a hater either one, but in 20 years, when people listen to this, they'll yeah. go, wow, they did that during COVID. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, but look, Tony Miola was, was a, a, a world cup player um, who did well in world cups as, as well. Uh, unbelievable at Virginia was the only player of the year, I believe as a goalkeeper was Tony Miola. Uh you know, so when you have that as your as your kind of your your backbone, you know, and, and you get transported into you know he's calling games for the fire right now, and he called the Concacaf games as well. But he's he's the he's the color guy for the for the uh, fire games. And if you took a, a young Tony Miola and you know put him in Chicago, I would hope I would hope beyond belief that who's ever whether it was Sarkey, who's a good friend of mine, I love him to death, whether it's Pono, whether it's this new guy, Wiki, uh, whoever is, is putting Tony Miola on the field because, yeah. you know, that's, that's what they would, that's what they would need, you know, yeah. is, is a, a guy like, like that plus many more spots, but yeah. um, Tony Miola would help. And, you know, Kevin Hartman, I don't know as well, and, uh, but the guy was a badass man. He was a great goalkeeper. Yeah. Yeah. They'd survive. Well, and I I wonder if, you know, you look at those early years in MLS and you look at, I, I, I think wild is, is almost how I would use to describe the goalkeeping then because, and I guess that's, that's not really fair that it's kind of a negative connotation, but it does, it, it is very kind of shoot from the hip of um, how they're approaching it. And obviously the ones that are on the field, they're succeeding. So, you know, they've, they've got that going for them, but um it feels like they're solving problems a little bit on the fly. And I wonder how much of that is a result of a lack of um, information at the time, you know, like you're, you're going, I mean, imagine 
you know, you're 22, 23, 24, 1996. Like what resources do you have to be a goalkeeper? Like maybe some guy you knew, maybe like maybe a coach you had at one point, but now we have the entire, like we have the game figured out, you know, we have all the answers more and we like to think we do at least. So I, you know, I just, I wonder if, you know, if you gave those, those guys in 96, all the resources we had now, you know, how does that change their game? I, I think it's easy to criticize. Oh, well, they, they couldn't do this. They couldn't hit a ball. They, oh, they're doing this wrong on this technique or blah, blah, blah. But we have all this information, all this video. I mean, there's a video alone. I can go watch a USL game easy, but like, you know, they, they don't have that. So, um, Here, yeah. Here's what would piss me off as it relates to kind of this topic. If Kevin and Tony and Bushy and Ramondo and, you know, picks Casey, you know, spent enough time and, and Brad spent enough time in the league. They also spent plenty of time overseas, but you know, those guys that spent a lot of time here domestically, um, that some 16, 17, 18, 19 year old that gets signed in the league and might, might even be a prodigy. I don't know. Thinks they have it figured out compared to those guys. You know, there's a wealth and wealth of knowledge. There's a, a freaking, there's a, a Capone vault of knowledge amongst those guys. And um, they have plenty to share. And there's, there's not much that, that if dare I say anything that this new prodigy is going to see that those guys haven't seen. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, it, it would bother me that if, if that prodigy would dismiss um, thinking that the game has changed type of thing. You know, that, that is a, a, a comment by a, a, a quote unquote modern day goalkeeper that really pisses me off uh, when they think that yeah, the game has changed. And I'll give you an example, holding versus steering. Holding doesn't go out of style. You know, and Tony Mule and Kevin Hartman and John Bush, if we're going to use those three, if they held the ball more and today's goalkeepers steer it more, yeah, well, the ball moves more, whatever. We're not playing with a Jabalani every single, every single game nowadays. Uh, that's crap. Um, you know, holding is, is holding, and it's great for your team when you can start the possession. Steering is, is in some regards, spilling. And when you end up conceding because you steered or spilled, you know, that's, uh, that's a problem, dude. And so that's not modern day. Uh, it, it was called parrying back then, yeah. and it's called steering today. So there's a difference in words, and that's all there is. Um, so, you know, if you're good, you're good. And if you're damn good, you're damn good. And just because you're older and younger, you know, don't give me any of the crap about not about dismissing somebody in the game past them by that. Cause that's, yeah. that's well, and you think also, I mean, I mean, you know, if you're young, you're going to have that ego. I get it. But you know, the, those guys that retired, like they knew I mean, they knew what worked and what didn't like both from like on their own individual level, but also from like a bigger aspect of, you know, who was a good manager and who wasn't, you know, what, what teammates, what style, like what worked, what locker rooms were good and not. Yeah. Um, and they're able to look at all that and say, Hey, this is why we won. You know? Yeah. Maybe technically this wasn't like 100% or the, you know, this isn't by the rule book, but you know, the, the technical inefficiencies and in these small, you know, minute categories pale in comparison to having, you know, XYZ. Like I remember Will Hesmer talking so much about how uh, putting such an emphasis on how the team got along uh, in 2010. And he was saying like, that was a big reason why they won, which is, I mean, you know, that's just not that we talk about today, but you know, this is a champion saying, Hey, this is why we won. And it had, it didn't really have as much to do with the X and O's. It had as much, you know, as much to do as, you know, what was going on in the locker room. Um, Same that I ranted on, you could say about a manager to a manager today. Yeah. You know, they feel like they, it's all X's and O's crap and it's man management. Yeah. So Will Hesmer, that's the, he's, he's, he's spitting chiclets there. That's accurate. (laughs) That's fantastic. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll say this though. I, I do wish when I hear Tony Miola commentate, I feel like he, he's too nice. I want him to, I want him to really, get, I, I know he's got stuff to say. I mean, he's, he's lived it. I mean, he's had his career in his life, you know, going in and out of the NFL. I mean, everything he's done, it's just, you, know, you could write multiple books on it, but I, I feel like every time I hear him, I'm like, why is this guy so nice? Like, I'm just, I'm just waiting for the day when he starts ripping into people. I mean, I, I know, I know he's got something to say. 
yeah, yeah. Listen, Mr. Miola. Yeah, we we want to hear it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah.